0: Allah, the Shetan regime, the Hamdullah, the Alamin, the Salatu, the Salam, the Allah, the Shafi'i, the Sahib, the Sahib, the the will be a means of many darknesses upon you on the day of Qiyamah. The Prophet Allah had also said, la yumli zalim. Allah grants the oppressor an opportunity to change his ways. But the day when Allah takes hold of the zalim, the oppressor, لَمْ يُفْلِتْهُ Allah does not release him after that. So Allah gives you an opportunity to change your wrongdoing change your oppression. But if you do not make use of this opportunity and the day comes for Allah to take hold of you, whether your name is Oscar Pistorius or you are divani, or so ever, when Allah takes hold, Allah does not release. Allah does not release. In the Quran, Allah says in Surah Al-Nisa, dealing with business, Allah says, Ya al ladhina amanu, of those who have faith do not consume the property and wealth of one another in a manner that is unjust in a manner that is contrary to the teachings of Islam the only time you should consume the property of another is antakuna tijaratan, when that property came your way via lawful trade while both the buyer and the seller were pleased to enter into the trade, ولا تقتلوا أنفسكم. Do not kill one another. Humans, you are brothers and sisters of one another. إن الله كان بكم Verily, Allah was, is, and will always be merciful with you, merciful and gracious. But whosoever would do such a thing, commit such crimes as transgression وظulman, and as an act of oppression فسوفا, then that person should know that very soon نارا, we will enter him into a blazing fire and that by allah is an insignificant matter it is an insignificant matter if you want to choose to go that way then to allah allah does not care allah shows you mercy if you are desirous of mercy, then follows the pathways of mercy. But if you do not want the mercy of Allah, you want to go the other way, then Allah is prepared to let you go the other way as well. My dear brothers and sisters, the Qur'an is the constitution of all Muslims. It teaches us moral rectitude. It teaches us how to acquire character traits that are morally superior. But interestingly enough, the longest ayah in the Qur'an deals with business. It does not deal with salah, it does not deal with zakah, it does not deal with soul, it does not deal with hajj, it deals with business. And somehow via that, knowing that the longest ayah in the Quran deals with business, which is in Surah Baqarah verse 28, we are reminded that your interaction with your fellow creature, especially your fellow human, it holds a certain weight by Allah. I remind you of that hadith where the Prophet asked the Sahaba, and we've quoted it in this most numerous times, Manil Muflis, who is the pauper? The Sahaba Anum's answer was, Al wa a Muflis, a pauper, a bankrupt man, according to us, is somebody that has no money, he doesn't even have a silver coin, because they had a the gold coin and a silver coin. To us, a olap of a donkey, is it like to say in Cape Town? Understand? Never mind paper money. Never mind coins. Not the silvers, the bronze Brothers, you don't even have. You understand? Eti donkeys, eti was all up see. and Allah knows best. ولا متعة no any other chattel, no any other physical property that can be sold to gain money. He doesn't have it. That by us is a bankrupt man, and then the Prophet Allah said, "No." The bank man amongst the ummah of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is he that comes on the day of, of, of Qiyamah, having made salah, having given zakah, having fasted the month of Ramadan, having performed the hajj, but he cursed this man over there. And he accused that man of indecent activity without any proof. And he struck that person, and he killed that person, and he took the property of that person. And these type of sins are known as tabi'at. Sins where a human being is entitled to make a case against you and follow you on the day of Qiyamah. Whenever I look at the board by certain farms in certain homes, especially in Afrikaans, it gives me a sense of the sin tabi'at, where traders shall vervolg word. Now this word tabi'at, it means that vervolgings, you understand, you commit sins that are vervolgings, sins that cause people to follow you, because the verb tabi'a yadba'u means he follows. He walks behind you and he follows you. So there's the tabi, the follower and the madbu', the one that is being followed. So they will make cases against you on the day of Qiyamah. And if they win those cases, you will then have to pay them out. And on the day of Qiyamah, there is no money. There is no property. The currency of the day of Qiyamah is not rents, it is not dollars, it is not pulas. The currency on the day of Qiyamah is amal salih. It is good deeds. And so if that person wins that particular case against you, your good deeds are taken. And if your good deeds run out, then Allah takes of his sins, and Allah loads upon you, until eventually now you are cast onto your face into Yal fire. So the Prophet Allah says, that there, that there, that is the pauper. My dear brothers in Islam, if you make ibadah, as how you are supposed to make ibadah. You make salah as how you are supposed to make salah. And you fast as how you are supposed to fast. Then you would be mindful of the laws of Allah when you deal with the creatures of Allah. Because Allah says, for example, in the Quran, inna salata tanha anil wal munkar. Salah is a thing that forbids, it prohibits a man from fakhshai, shameful deeds, while munkar and other sins. Because every time, five times a day, I stand in front of Allah. But I just left my house swearing my wife or beating her, and I just robbed my other fellow human, etc. I'm standing in front of Allah as a thief and a wife abuser. I should be feeling shame. Now, If I'm not making salah, feeling shame, then there's something wrong with that salah. I'm in the court of Allah, but it's it's as normal to me. I'm communicating with a being that knows all my defects and all my secrets, but it is as normal to me. So there's something deficient in that salah. Likewise, a man that fasts, and he's not eating, he's not drinking, he's not engaging in sexual intimacy with his lawful wife, he's not committing that with his haram, one month of the year, but somehow he's committing that with his haram, 12 months of the year. So that type of a siyam, that type of a fasting, is not worth must in the sight of Allah. So that's why the Prophet of Allah beautifully said, Rubba لَيْسَ Many a man fasts, but he has nothing from his fast except that he goes hungry and that he goes thirsty. But it is not a fast in the sight of Allah. Because a fast in the sight of Allah is al-imsak, to abstain from that, which is the muharramat, which are the unlawful things. And not merely al-imsak and muftirat as merely to abstain from the three things that break your fast, eating, drinking. And physical intimacy, and Allah knows best. So the position that your fellow human being has, and that you should be respecting him or her, respecting their honor, respecting their life and limb, and respecting their property—that there is all serious by Allah. It comes in Sahih Muslim, for example, in the Prophet Allah said, "Kullul Muslimi 'ala al-Muslimi Haramun." Every Muslim to another Muslim is haram, taboo. You must consider your fellow Muslim taboo, damuhu, his blood. You cannot spill his blood with impunity, and his property. You cannot take and misuse his property as you will. You require his permission, wairduhu, and also his honor. Did we not say in the previous Juma that if you speak ill of your fellow Muslim brother or sister, even if that which you speak is a truth, but were they to come to hear of it, it will cause them to feel bad, then that is a riba in Islam. And that is a sin, and that is a thing that can take you to Jahannam. And if you speak ill of your fellow Muslim brother or sister, and it is not the truth, then that is of a higher level, that is a buhtan, a slander. And its ability to take you to Jahannam is even more. So there are a number of practices that has become common in our time, that I would like to focus on today. I'm going to start it in reverse actually uh, in the sense of how it would normally be mentioned in the Jumu'ah. Normally, we would focus on riba first, interest, then perhaps we would find a way to gish trickery in all the forms of trickery, whether it is the concealment of defects, whether it is artificial inflation of value, and we will discuss some of them. And also hoarding, Ihtikar, I want to speak about some re-forms. But when I mean, I mean rain, I don't mean rain or currents, but rather I mean it's really spoken about from the mimbar. The sun is out there in the public, but somehow it's really spoken of from the mimbar. So holding that it is unlawful in Islam, maysir that gambling is unlawful in Islam, sarika seht we are well aware of, ghouloul, which normally means to steal from the booty, but since we don't have booty now, it means to steal from the public treasury or from government property, which is considered a more serious crime than to steal from a normal uh, human being. Here you are stealing from the whole of society. And then also RASP, usurpation of the property of others, whether via duress, whether via your, pu- your physical powers, whether via your legal expertise, whether via your connections, and then that automatically brings us up to bribery. South Africa has become known like certain other countries, to be a country of bribery. If you want to do anything here in South Africa, you need to bribe. As a Muslim, you need to know that bribery is unlawful in Islam. Bribery is unlawful in Islam. Never mind it being unlawful, the Prophet of Allah clearly says in the hadith, it comes in Tirmidhi. The Prophet of Allah curses the person that pays a bribe, and the person that takes the bribe and the word cursing when used by allah and his rasool means that you are distanced from the mercy of allah the person that pays bribes and the person that takes bribes is distanced from the mercy of allah now why would the paying of bribes or the taking of bribes be such a big problem for the simple reason that it causes public officials to usurp the rights of others I should have actually received that thing. But since the public official got the bribe, he is now rather giving it to B. So certain individuals are not getting their rights. People who should have been first in the line, suddenly are not getting their rights. If I were to give you a, a simple example of it, perhaps amongst the Muslim community. You have applied to Sauk to go for Hajj this year, and then suddenly your fellow Muslim brother bribed the Sauk official so, he's going to go for Hajj and you're not going to go this year. So, how do you feel? How do you feel? And when it comes to your ears and you come to know that that individual was bribed, then what happens with your heart? And does it sometimes cause you to go the way of violence? And sometimes a small little fight leads to a bigger fight? Tanazi and Muslim do it. Allahu Akbar. So, Islam has these teachings do not propose in the proposal of your brother, do not sell it on the sale of your brother. And also, thus now because it keeps away enmity, and it keeps away things that lead to loss of life. So the rights of the others are taken. Also, if you go the way of bribery, people who are guilty, they get set free. While the law is to protect the innocent. And sometimes the only way to protect the innocent is that we have to take the guilty to task. So if the guilty is not taken to task, they bribe their way free, then what happens to the innocent? Now the innocent has to bear the brunt of that. And then obviously it causes the governmental system to go haywire, and the government now and its laws become a toy in the hands of the rich and the powerful. Such as we are experiencing unfortunately here in South Africa. So bribery in Islam is haram. Not only is it, is it haram, it is considered a kabira, a major sin. There is one exception, there is one exception. If you have a right, and somehow you are not able to obtain your right, except via bribery, then for you to pay the bribe is lawful. Though for the one who takes the bribe, it's still unlawful. You had that haq, and he should have been giving you your right, he should have given you your right, without needing to be paid. But for some reason or other, he doesn't want to give you your right. So now you are bribing him, To receive what you should have received in the first place. So for you to give the bribe, will then be lawful. Because you are merely using that bribe to acquire that which is yours. While for him to take the bribe would be unlawful. That is the one exception that the ulama mention in their books. And Allah knows best. How about gambling? Why should gambling be considered wrong? Isn't it that gambler number one and gambler number two agreed to the gambling? When they sat at the table and they're playing their cards or they're throwing their dices, isn't it that they agreed? And didn't the ayah say that if there's agreement between the two parties, then that thing is lawful? So why then is gambling still unlawful? Though there is an agreement, it is still unlawful because the nature of business in Islam is that value is exchanged for value. Value is exchanged for? Value, I buy your car, I need a car. If I get your car, it is a quality car, then a certain value will enter my world. A certain ability will be given to me. While if I give you the money, the 20,000 ren, a certain amount of value enters your world, a certain ability is already now passed over to you. Because using the 20,000 ren, you can do this and you can do that. So in Islam, in any business transaction, even if it is Nikah, which we also look upon as a type of a business contract, there's exchange of value for value. In Nikah, what is the exchange? Resources for services. (laughs) So one party is providing resources, and another party is providing services. The resources, valuable. The services, Allahu Akbar, (laughs) valuable, you understand? So value is being exchanged for value, this is the law in Islam. Between gambler A and gambler B what normally happens? One walks away with zero and the other one walks away with everything. So the man that walks away with zero, what is his value? The answer is zero value. So it is for this reason that gambling normally it breeds enmity and Iterate. Frequently, we find the guy who won everything tonight, was to. So, drive. boom, kop, here. You understand? Why do you need to do that, if it was agreed upon? That there is an agreeing upon, because you want the opportunity to, to, to run away with all the money. But then, when you realize that you actually the opposite brother, you're the one that suffers the loss, frequently, then you want to regain some value. Now you want to rob him. So it doesn't work Islamically. Just listen to Allah in the Quran. Allahu Akbar. Allah is the creator of all things. And Allah understands things the way no being will ever be able to understand it. Allah, man khalaq. Does he who creates not know his own creation? So listen, my dear brothers in Islam. Ya al amanu, all those who have faith. Inna khamru, wal wal The drinking of alcohol and intoxicants, gambling, the worshipping of idols, the drawing of lots, whether it be via divination or arrows or otherwise, is a filthy practice. Of the deeds of Satan. So avoid it. Surely you will be successful if you avoid it. In the Shaytanu, Shaytan the intention if you do all of these things to cause between you hatred, uh, sorry, enmity, Adawa enmity, wal hatred, Khamri, if you go the way of intoxication, Wal in and gambling. I've already explained how that happens with gambling, how does it happen with intoxication? Simple example. When I was young, my father used to call hammer karativata. water. Karati water. And the moment you hear the term, you understand. Because the only man I ever met that is able to have an, a, an argument with himself is somebody on took, or is drunk, or somehow. But the average individual does not have an argument with himself. You do not find the average individual walking down the street and having a heated debating, debate with himself. Yo, yo, and who is he swearing? Himself, you understand? Who do you find doing that? Only the one involved with the karativata, Vata, karate tuk. You understand? Only that one. So it is of the nature of intoxication, that when a man is intoxicated, then he's boisterous. Even though under normal circumstances, he wouldn't do that. So that lies in Khamr. It lies in there. And if not those sins, then other sins. <laughs> These things, they will keep you away from the mention of Allah. And they will keep you away from salah. You think that, my, that man, when he said, Sonsati, notice I said, Sonsati, not Sonsati. You understand? When that man said, sansati, you think he got time for salah? He got no time for salah. This is a <laughs> Second (laughs) rak'ah. You understand? And he's waiting for the acceptance of the dua. (laughs) That is what he's waiting for. You understand? There's no time for salah now. We've got different rakaats. You understand? So there's no time for salah now. There's no time for zikrullah. That takes over the mind. And it is addictive in its very nature. A gambler that has won once, or twice or thrice, the more he has won, the more he's addicted. The more he's addicted. And here yeah, I say to you, my dear brothers, if somehow you suffer from the sickness, understand this this principle, the house always wins. The house always wins. Go here. What is this place here? Green West. If you just look at that gate, you see Pharaon. If you just look at that gate, how much money went into that gate there? If you're driving on the highway and you're just looking to the right, and you see that big entrance, that large big entrance, a few hundred thousand rail probably went into, into building that gate there, that gate that you have to drive through. But whose money? But whose money? The money of the poor, obviously. Somebody had to not have food that month from Manenberg or Hannover Park, etc., so that that gate can be built. And not one, one person, a hundred thousand men, sir. It's a blood and sweet lies in that gate over there. So don't ever walk through those gates. Those gates are the gates of Jannah. No confessions of a gambler for you, my dear friend. No confessions of a gambler, inshallah. Turn to Allah and learn beforehand. Turn to Allah and learn beforehand. The next thing that we need to look out for, that is hardly ever spoken about, but is mentioned in Quran and hadith, is hoarding, hoarding, Now, what is hoarding? Hoarding is that I buy a large amount of a product when it is cheap. And then I keep it, I stockpile it, and I wait for the product to become expensive. In fact, frequently, while buying, my intent is for the product to become expensive. In fact, if I do it to a certain degree, where I buy all that product in that city, it goes even into another sin known as monopolization. Which is similar to hoarding, just a higher level of hoarding. Where I now am the only person that has that product. So I am the only person that has cement. And everybody needs to build houses, etc, etc, etc. So what is the price that I am able to charge? The reality is I can charge any price. Because only I have that product. And the hoarder has that same thing in mind. So just two and three ahadith for you to think about. Hadith number one, the prophet of Allah says outright, the hoarder is a cursed individual. The other way the prophet of Allah says, the servant of Allah, who is given to hoarding, he is an evil servant of Allah. He is not truly the servant of Allah. in If Allah makes the prices low and cheap for the people, he stores the stuff. And when Allah raises the price, Meaning via normal price fluctuations in the market, Fariha, he is happy. Because now suddenly he has the opportunity to make huge profits. How should you be? Did we not say that in Islam true trade is value for value? So how should you be? So the Prophet of Allah tells us in a hadith that comes in Bukhari. Allahu Rajulan. May Allah shower mercy such a man, Samhan Ida Ba'a. He is generous when he shouts and he is generous when he buys. And when he demands his right, even then he is generous. So the way of the Muslim is that he is generous. My dear brothers, the honest truth in buying and selling, in buying and selling, is that the buyer wants to sell for the highest price and the seller wants to buy for the lowest price that is the honesty in it it is two predators meeting one another and then the issue is who is the best predator here we he see best of man-made styles or the argue no you understand who will win will the lower price win will higher price win islam is not opposed to that in principle but this is what islam recommends even if you are able to force a man to five rent if you're even if you're able to force a man down to five ren, but the value is something around ten ren, then don't force him down to five ren. Force him to ten or force him to eight. Don't go beyond that. What is happening at this moment in time? You come to my shop. you can be financial problems, man. I'm urgently. My mask, I'm a hospital to him, but I get the stuffy. What now when you told me that you need money, my brain already went ting, 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 ding, 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 coins. You understand? It can have no dirk. Twas dairy flow. Because I muddi kalit fashion. He must have this money for his mother. You understand? So I realize you are in a moment of weakness. So I'm gonna force you right through the floor. Is that the way for Muslim? When you see your fellow Muslim brother in a moment of weakness, then you must take advantage of him like that. Is that the way for Muslim? In fact, that is not even the way of a Muslim with a non Muslim. That is not how it should be. Say to the man, let's give you a fair price. Give him a price that is market value or something close to market value. Do not force a man so down, misusing the problem that he's in. Or do not force the price so up, since you know that this particular individual must have the item. So just bring up the price, ting 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 ting. So don't force him maximum price. Give him a fair price. Value for value. Sometimes this is the reason our marriages are not working also. Because you want to be in a cheap marriage, while the other one wants an expensive marriage. So on the one side, the wife in what she must get, is pushing up the price, and you pushing down her price. While you pushing up your price, and you pushing down her price, so that's what I do, I do my best, I do my best. So jij will, that I wat jij day yet, for coup, for highest price, that's my best day. I can't even So that's actually what you are saying when you say that to your wife. I do not die for you, and I do not die for you. Expensive, who does? But you just want to treat me like that? So what you are doing is cheap. It's the same game. We're still playing the same game because nikah also is a type of a on track, as I said. So that should not be the way of the Muslim. So in the divine system, there's exchange of value for value. In the divine system, there's production of ease for all, the buyer and the seller. When a seller hoards, especially in a monopoly, he maximizes his own consideration, his own value, but he harms the consideration of the buyer. Severe reduction to the buyer. He doesn't sell at market price. In fact, the extra that he gets, is not in exchange for true, true financial service, but rather this is a result of clever manipulation. He manipulated the market to his benefit. It is not true agreement by the buyer, as the buyer is forced to purchase at an unnaturally high price. Let me give you two quick considerations in the, in the, in the chapters of Fiqh that you might not know. It is time for Salah. I don't have wudu. So I must make wudu, isn't it? Right. In the area that I'm in, they have realized that Muslims must make wudu now. So they're pushing up the price of the water, higher than market value. Is it compulsory for me as a Muslim to buy that water at a higher than market value price? The answer is no. All the ulamas say, you don't need to buy that water. Make tayammum. It's fine. You can make tayammum. So though there is water, they will not allow that. Now, just take note what happens every year at Eid al-Adha, met his carpe. They know Muslims are buying sheep at that moment in time, isn't it? So what do they do with the sheep? They push up the price. Which brings me to the second part to the thing. It does mean that you are not forced to buy, but it would still be advisable to buy, so that that ibadah continues. So don't use this now as an excuse not to slaughter next Ramadan. I'm all an answer to you understand? There's two considerations there. The same was uh, what do you call it now? Uh, Allah knows best. Gynecologists. There should be no difference in price between a male gynecologist and a female gynecologist. They are providing the same service. And there's no difference between males and females. That is what they are telling us. Left, right and center. So why are the female gynecologists charging more? They shouldn't. Which is why ulama say in that case, this is not an easy one, but if women gynecologists are charging more, especially if you cannot afford to go to them, it is lawful for you to go to a male gynecologist fulfilling all other conditions. But obviously still, we would recommend you still go to the female gynecologist. But in principle, you are not forced to go that way. My dear brothers, my time is almost up, so I will conclude with the last one, which is trickery. The Prophet Allah says very clearly in the hadith, it comes in a Sahih Muslim, man ghashana minna. He who deceives us is not of us. If in business you deceive your fellow Muslim, then you are not really a Muslim. Because you don't have the Muslims at heart. So how do we deceive? We deceive by concealing defects. In this country that is South Africa, we have a nice trick. The trick is called footstowards. So if I sell a car to a man, I just tell him, stewards." So even if I know what is wrong with the car, I will not tell him. I just say to him, foot stewards." and that settles all problems. Yeah, you need to know in Islam, that is not lawful. If you know the car is a defect, you must inform the buyer of the defect. And then, with regards to defects you don't know, you can come to an agreement of footstores. But if you know of a defect, you must inform, if you know of a defect. If you know a car is a defect and you don't tell the person, then that means you don't have nasiha, good well in your heart, for your fellow Muslim. So there's something wrong with you. You don't have the interest of the Muslims at heart. Another way of trickery is where you inflate the price. You know that this item is merely 10 rand. But then you tell the man, this is a quality item. This item good for 30 But He's going to do your favor, just for today, for you, 20 He doesn't know you. Why would he do such a favor? A guy who tells you, just for you, 20 years in, you and the rest of South Africa is just for you. You need to know that. That guy is conning you. He's tricking you. You understand? That is his permanent statement. Just for you. The this guy behind you? Just for you. This guy behind you? Just for you. You? Yalla dunya. That's you. And Allah knows best. So you are not allowed to do that. You are not allowed to make a, 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 a lieful price. And then suddenly reverse and say, so your price is fairly low compared to the market price. No. You must be honest when you state market price. And Allah knows best. People don't need to know how much profit you make. That's your personal business. But don't lie. Don't lie. Of all the beggars I know in Cape Town, there's one beggar in the river Park that I really appreciate. Because he tells no lies. Many people come to you, I make a taxi girl. Make a And it's frequently a lie. But in the Park, of a he's a beggar, he just does this. That's all he does. And then he waits for you to give him money. Now you can call it whatever you want to, but it's honest. <laughs> it's honest. He's not lying. The nice thing about him is that he is not lying. So he's giving you the opportunity to help him or not help him. That's up to you. Make up your mind. But he's not lying to you. Allahu Akbar. If you have to beg, if you have to beg, and you should try not to beg, because it is your honor. In a hadith, it comes that if you beg without needing to beg, you will appear on the day of Qiyamah with no flesh on your face. You can appear in a skeleton because it is an irrational. A man who begs and he has no need to beg is a dishonorable individual. Every day we make the du'a Suratul surat al-Fatiha. <laughs> you alone do we worship, o Allah and your aid alone do we seek the way of a believer is that he tries to do for himself only when he is unable to do for himself then he seeks aid of another but the, the ghina the richness of the muslim is that he tries to be self-sufficient and Allah knows best and then finally to conclude a form of trickery is when you mix inferior quality items among superior quality items and then you sell it as if it is superior. So you have a whole lot of jumbo eggs, and then you got mini-eggs, and then you throw a few mini-eggs in between. As one hour, there isn't a yes, I notice that here, there isn't a, But Allah notices. And the angels that are recording, they notice. And if they have kiyama, you're going to have a jumbo problem. <laughs> <laughs> so we end there, inshallah, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam. The Jummah, and, uh, 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 with regards to intent, was a reminder that it is not merely, that deen is not merely acts of worship. Salah, ring of zakah, salm, hajj. There's another element to deen. And that is how you treat your fellow human being. And Allah attaches utmost importance to that practice as well. And a Muslim is an honorable person. A Muslim is not a thief. A Muslim is not an abuser. A Muslim is not, a Muslim is not, a Muslim is, a Muslim is.